Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, Joe! Yo, Joe! Yo, Joe! Hey, hey, hey! We got a special show for you this week, brought to you by me, the Chief. And Golden Jobs! Hello, Chief. Hello, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh, yes. Buddy, I'm so excited. Pinch me, man. After listening to the Golden Joes with absolute relish in the past, I'm now hosting one. Woohoo! Yeah, that's it, baby. I hope you got your tux on. Dream come true. Well, you see, I would have, except I forgot it. Nine time zones away. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say you had a tux on, but no shirt. (laughs) No, no, buddy. There ain't no shoes, no shirt, no service up in this joint. We're rocking a pair of board shorts. Uh, How are you doing, Chief? What are you wearing? (laughs) I've got my freshly pressed um, chuckle shirt on, so rocking that. Outstanding. Yes, yes, yes. But um, yeah, I am not too bad. Anything of note happened to me this week playing Last of Us 2, uh, cracking on with that. It's not grabbed me in the way I thought it would, but with a lot of these games i think they put twists and things in at you know uh, a few hours into the play so i'm waiting for something like that to happen i'll, I'll have another, another crack on that later tonight um, how many hours have you sunk into it by now chiefy only five quite oh. poor because i am a man of too many hobbies <laughs> and keep, ben keeps telling me oh you got i don't forget you got to watch four episodes of clone wars for the next two shows we're going to record oh don't forget you got to watch this movie for the next out of timers thing oh look at all this scale tricks i've got to build and Oh, I've got three cars that are in the garage because they need some repairs. So I've got to fix them. Uh, and the work as well, kind of getting in the way of stuff. Oh, yeah. But, work, family, yeah. that sort of shuffles to the bottom of that's the pile. It, uh, and I was about to say, like, every single one of these activities requires social media posts on at least three platforms. So, yeah, cheeky. <laughs> I can see why you haven't gotten any game time in. If anyone wants to, I do not pay that well. In fact, we pay zero. <laughs> but if anyone wants to take over the uh, social media posting responsibilities for all of the podcasts we do, then please put your hand up now and step in. But oh, um, Well, I was about to say, I'm in the job market big time, buddy, but I'm afraid <laughs> I need a little bit more than zero. Yeah, minimum wage. Minimum wage S jobs, we call him. How is that job search going? Well, I am in different to apply to a different employer every single day just to canvas my options as best as possible. The problem in Australia at the moment seems to be that people aren't coming back to work because the Job Seeker program, which pays people $500 a week for not being employed during COVID-19, has the the local Australian workforce staying home. So you'd expect me snapping up all their jobs, but unfortunately I haven't gotten any responses yet, at least not any positive ones. So I've been riding my bicycle a fair bit, uh, which is great, Um, really, really expands my my radius. Uh, So I've been going to a lot of like like fitness parks and just rediscovering how to do a pull-up, man. That is just the ultimate <laughs> exercise ever crafted, ever, ever, ever. They're tough, man. They are tough. Yeah, buddy. I've definitely slipped. What's your kg age? Uh, I'm about 80. Okay. I'd like to get it down okay. to 75. Right. Is 80, 80s 
It doesn't sound big, though. I'm not a big guy, Chief. Okay. Damn, son. Okay. If we ever do organize that meetup in the flesh, you'd be like, what? <laughs> Where's this, Jobs? <laughs> He's a hobbit. <laughs> uh, I am. Um, so I weighed myself this morning. I was 86. I want to get down to 84. Nice. That's so... achievable, surely. Yeah, achievable, yeah. I, I hit a high of 90 for a few months ago. And that's just a bit too big. Just a bit too big. Fighting weight's around 84. Wow, okay. So quite a wide range then. Listen, I am hungry for some snacks, Ooh. so I hope you got some, because I definitely have. Oh, yeah. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, building and jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers, and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. Snack police are in there. His house. Okay, what you got, buddy? Well, if you thought that the Filipino snacks had bowed out, you thought wrong <laughs> because today I was at a, an Eastern supermarket and I, I picked up. Oh, I had to because the title is just too too priceless. It's called Boy Bawang. <laughs> yeah, Boy Bawang, boy. Boy Bawang, boy. Um, I I don't know what they are. I think they're probably corn nubs, but they are lechon manok flavor. Which I of course, I of course, think, of course they are. Um, I think that's probably like roast chicken. It's got roast chicken all over the place and yep. garlic. <laughs> so okay. here we go, getting into a very sturdy bag. Uh, oh, yes, they are corn nibs, and let's see what the the lechon manok flavor is like. Crunchy as all hell. Hmm. Yeah. All right. One thumb up from the jobs. What's that okay. like? Six out of ten. Seven out of ten. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, I, I realize effectively, like, this is exactly what you had last week, isn't it? I don't even know. What did I have last week? I haven't posted the pictures <laughs> up yet. <laughs> uh, never mind. Moving on. What did I have? No, I had chickpeas last week, didn't I? Oh, yes, there were. And I had to we're, put them on the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah. I'm a lot more sober this time. You know, is it a packet that you could consume in one, one go, one sitting, do you think? Uh, no, they're quite... I think they're quite uh, substantial, to be honest. Okay, I mean, if I, if you're if you're a hungry man, sure. But right. uh, dinner was only like about an hour and a half ago. Okay. Well, so, you might uh, want to save some for the awards later. I'm not sure what kind of food we're going to get served up at this shindig. You know, I'm not sure who's organised the catering. Maybe it's Roadblock. Are we in the cheap seats again, Chief? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Let's <laughs> let's see. Let's see what the Joes will bring us or whoever's catering this party. I did bring a bottle of wine. Hey, hey. Okay. Nice. Classy. Nice. Yes. Okay, the chief has gone for a Pringle. Pringles, I'm guessing these are worldwide in terms of, you know, there's no naming conventions in different parts of the world for these, would you think? Do you know what a Pringle is? Yeah, absolutely. I would support you on that wholeheartedly. Pringles or Pringles or Pringles, even in China. Yeah, okay, <laughs> wow. So we, we used to have these in the UK before, I guess, American invention in terms of name-wise, but we used to have these in the UK and they were called Stackers. So pretty much exactly the same, that same unique shape of potato chip. Although are they potato? I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they're maize. Maybe, or maybe they are potato. Whatever they are, but that Mashed same potato. shape. Yeah, that same shape. And we had stackers, but then we had the Pringle. So I'm popping that top. Once you pop, you can't stop. Let's open up that. And oh, I better tell the listeners the flavour. This is Donna Kebab flavour. What so. will they come up with next? Okay, here we go. Wow. Um, let me just digest that a second. Um, now, I have not had a doner kebab probably in about a year when I kind of started going meat-free. 
but <laughs> it's just not um, the same without the the lamb or chicken. A big fan of doner kebabs, you know. <sighs> and over in the UK, that would definitely be a something you would have after the only time you'd ever have it would be after you come out of the pub and you're about seven or eight pints in and you need uh, something from the burger shop or whatever and you'd go for a don everyone would go for a doner kebab. You would never eat one sober. But <laughs> I had I was eating them sober and I love them so much. But these these Pringles just the flavour is all wrong. Uh, damn. Um you just don't get that greasiness man. That like you know, you, how do you hold a kebab without everything falling out? I suppose it's got to be really yeah. well wrapped. And of course, the juices are running down your hand, your forearm. Yeah, yeah. You're a Donna fan? Absolutely, dude. I'm a Donna Adonis. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say that also after like a pretty heavy night, nightclub, I mean, a late night Donna kebab is way up there. Also, probably, and not, I'm not that I'm a, much of a sports fan, but like... I have been to one or two stadiums, and uh, a kebab stop on the way home is is definitely a tradition. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I've got, I'm in two minds because even though I'm pretty much fully vegan, I do, as people know, every now and again, like to go back and sample some meat. And I'm now in two minds. I, I, my, my mind was set on five guys for my next one, but now I'm tempted by the donna. Yeah, you got to rinse that Pringles out of your mouth, man. Stay tuned, listeners, to see where Chief goes. Now, snacks are down. Uh, I'm not going to consume any more of those because I'm expecting a, a full-on five-course meal to be served up at these awards show later. But uh, with with that done and put aside, I think it's time to talk about some comics. It's comic talk. It's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box, talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. So, uh, should we have a look at the covers? Uh, cover, because we're just doing one issue here. It's issue 199. Quality. Yeah, man. It's the build-up to the big two zero zero. That's it, that's it. So on the front cover of this one, we've got three faces. We've got Cobra Commander, Mindbender, and a Tele Viper in a kind of what what would you say there what what's causing the the lens effectively that is it is it a lens of a camera that's looking at them by the joes ah uh, you know this this has got me thinking now when i first saw it i thought they're peering into a porthole like yep. they are looking into a hole in the wall or you know it's that classic uh Shawshank redemption shot as the warden Norton pokes his hand through the hole in the wall and everyone peers in to see how Andy Dufresne escaped his cell. <laughs> like, that's what I'm seeing. More homework. Yep, Soz. Yep. But now that I'm looking at, with, with the, the contents of the issue in mind, I'm thinking this is them caught in a flashlight. Ah, okay. Or possibly, not that they're kind of done up in a kind of a night vision filter, but they're being seen up close by someone, you know, able to see in the dark. And yep. caught very like um, unawares. Or... Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. What do you see when you see this cover? I'm all of a sudden thrown into three minds. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought they were peering into something to begin with because of the expressions on their faces. If anyone's and... listening to this and is not clear, it's Mindbender, Televiper, and the big CC just caught in a a halo of darkness, basically. Yeah. We're just seeing their faces in in close up, looking yeah. very surprised. Whatever they're looking at, they do not like. 
Yeah, no secondary cover here, just the retailer incentive, which is the pencils by Larry. And it looks to be, there's not been many changes by Gallant on the cover here. I think he's mm-hmm. stayed fairly faithful, just maybe changing the gaze of Cobra Commander slightly. But I like this cover, actually. It's very simple. You know, there's not much detail, high-level detail to it, but I actually really like this cover. Seconded. It definitely yes. does tell a story and passes the diagnostic test. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> it does definitely theme, pertain yeah. to the contents of the issue. Okay, so uh, we're going to dig into the insides to the guts of this issue. So before we do that, we need a recap. Last time on A Real American Hero. G.I. Joe has finally managed to push back the rebel threat in Sierra Gordo while uncovering their true nature, advanced BATs developed by Cobra in conjunction with the Blue Ninja Clan. Although just about every Joe team is present and accounted for, one team led by Stalker is still out in the jungle, pursued by a group of the rebel BATs. Meanwhile, back at the pit, Cobra has taken over G.I. Joe's HQ. Scarlet and Snake Eyes arrive to find the facility under Cobra's control, but soon meet up with the Joes left at the pit, led by Lieutenant Falcon, and hatch a plan to take the base back. And also, I do want to mention here, we spoke about this offline, and I just want to get your opinions voiced on the air. It says here in brackets, led by Lieutenant Falcon. Now, you do not ever want to see that LT dot. No. Uh... Yeah, look, it's a pet peeve of mine and maybe uh, an unpopular opinion, but I do not like mixing rank with codename ever. No. His codename is Falcon. His codename isn't Lieutenant Falcon. Yeah, I, and yeah. you you also... Are you with me on this, Chief? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have referenced him as Lieutenant Falcon before, but mm. after having chatted with you, it made sense. To, it, I kind of reversed it and was like... And I wasn't for or against it either way beforehand, but now I'm like, yes, yeah, st- don't say Lieutenant Falcon because Lieutenant, it should be Lieutenant, then it should be his actual surname if you want to use Lieutenant. Yeah, absolutely. I The, the start of my problem with this is with people calling Hawk General Hawk. Right. Now, Hawk wasn't always a general. <laughs> In fact, when we were first introduced to him, his rank was colonel. Yes. He gets promoted in the pages of G.I. Joe, and maybe it's significant enough for them to now call him General Hawk around that time. But in the case of Falcon, uh, like a lieutenant is a pretty junior rank in, in the officer's world. Uh, I don't imagine he would remain a lieutenant for very long. So no. by freezing him at this rank, it's like, no, I, your rank is independent of your codename. You carry your codename with you throughout your G.I. Joe career, regardless of what your, you know, your pay, pay grade is. So I've always hated the idea of calling him Lieutenant Falcon or General Hawk. And what's become problematic since Hasbro has lost the copyright on so many of these names is they've just started inserting ranks everywhere. Like Stalker oh, really? became Sergeant Stalker for a while. In oh. fact, Hawk became like General Tomahawk for a spell. And, um, <laughs> you know, they couldn't even call Ripper Ripper. It had to be Dreadnought Ripper and so on oh, and so no. forth. Yeah, mm. it became messy. I, I like the purity of the code names yep. as yep. code names. Um, well, anyway, you know, he gets a name <laughs> check here on the inside cover. But I don't think he actually does anything on the interior of the book, does he? Does he? Do we see him at all? I'd like to think he's calling the shots uh, on this kind of terror campaign, but we mainly see like the ninjas doing their thing. Like it's it's definitely Snake Eyes and Scott's show, as it were. Yeah. Interestingly, this issue opens up with some Cobra deserters. And was this... I'm just trying to postulate why this particular scene was included. Was it just to show that the Cobra morale was at a low 
due to the Joes, you know, underground tactics, or was it just that these guys are pussies? <laughs> I'm never going to be opposed to humanizing the enemy. Like, Cobra Command is made up of flesh and blood human beings, just like you or I. They have their reasons for joining Cobra, and when the going gets tough and they no longer want a part of it, yeah, absolutely, desertion is an option. And these three guys have have made that choice, and I I applaud them for doing so. I mean, it's a dangerous choice to make. Mindbender says something which I didn't really understand. He says, morale took a major hit after amoebas were introduced into the drinking water. (laughs) <laughs> terror <laughs> tactics man the right. joes have started like like shitting in the drinking water yeah <laughs> <laughs> lovely um i mean this is their home and cobra's kind of moved in so absolutely all these guerrilla tactics are you know joe's going to play dirty because they don't have the numbers but uh the the guys deserting does also introduce the idea of their helmets all having transponders and uh, uh, iff you know um, identification f- friend or foe uh, software or yeah. I don't know it puts out a signal that that uh, becomes a major plot point in this issue yeah because they capture a televiper don't they and I think it's mainframe who says you know their helmets are the control units that monitor and reset the IFF codes mm-hmm. so it gives it gives the Joes almost the upper hand um, in controlling the situation because clearly they're massively outnumbered here massively outnumbered the oh chief maybe this is something we need to save for issue 200 and see if uh if it gets raised there but gi joe's manpower uh, how how many card carrying members do you presume gi joe has for the for the pit to be completely empty at this stage oh wow um just off the top of your head if you could throw a number out i don't know 100 so I tallied it up. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Over the past two and a half years of issues that we've discussed. Ah, so what you've you've individually name checked all the Joes we've seen in these pages. Correct. Okay. Right. I, I was I was putting the figure based on potentially Joes we haven't seen. Okay. Well look, I mean Cobra Commander says in a previous issue that like now that the mean dog team had left the pit that G.I. Joe's headquarters is basically undefended. Like, he's been, as you said at the time, counting out on his abacus, like, oh, well, (laughs) if those five guys left with that plane and those 20 guys left on the C-130, then that means the pit is empty. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Time to move in. The number of personnel that G.I. Joe currently rosters in order for the pit to now be empty is a whoppingly low 65 members. Okay. Mm. Okay. Now, Mm. there are two instances where I've seen Mystery Joes, like support staff. There was a female operative in the the control center in an issue. And then there was that that shaved head fella with the beret who we couldn't pick out who was in the mess. Uh, Those are the two mysteries. There are a few other mysteries, like where's Chuckles in all this? And where's Sneak Peek in all this? That's what I mean. There could be at least another 30 or 40 from earlier in the run that mm. didn't die are still alive and just haven't we haven't seen them they're just off on other missions or they're doing stuff in the background just you know obviously larry didn't have time to put them into panels chief there are there are hundreds of joes sure yeah but yeah. like in terms of this run of storyline right for cobra commander to make the assumption that the pit was now empty and that yeah. the that all the joe personnel have been deployed that would set the the ceiling at about right. 65. Okay. okay. That, I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. Like, yes. within the confines of this story arc, 
that's the assumption we're we're made to make. Yeah, and how many Joes are left in the pit now? Is it about five or six, something like that? Yeah, it's Snake Eye, Scarlet, uh, Trip, if you're going to count him as a Joe, uh, Psychart, Mainframe, and Falcon. Yeah. Chuckles and has how... disappeared through the cracks, and so has yeah. Sneak Peek. And how many cobras would you anticipate here when you looked at all those his tanks and all the chopper well we do i was gonna say all the choppers flying into the pit we never actually saw that scene where where cobra <laughs> invaded the pit but um it, you know this is a few squadrons squads or platoons or i don't know size of of different denominations of quantities of troops but i mean you know there's got to be at least 500 to a thousand cobra troops there surely you'd think cobra's not gonna inv- cobra commander's not gonna invade the pit with 50 troops is he yeah, we get some idea of the scale of their operation when Mindbender's crunching the numbers. He's like, oh, we've got so many injured, and we've got so many deserted just in the past couple of hours. Yeah, it's that bit about the amoebas. We have more than 100 in the infirmary right. with serious and incapacitating injuries. So if, say, 10% of the manpower have been hit by raids, that would, yeah, I suppose, put the number at around 1,000. Yeah, so the Joes are doing well, let's say. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Wow. I've noticed a bit of an error on page three. Yeah, go on then. Uh, well, I'm, you know, picker of nits, but once again, I can't turn a blind eye. Um, they speak about a Viper, a Techno Viper, and a His Tank driver that um, have gone missing. Yes. But it was actually a Tele Viper, not a Techno Viper. We go back to page one. Yes, it was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) What you got for us, Chief? Yes. Uh, No, I was just going to say this issue is pretty full on and in terms of of action, there's no let up. And there's a nice kind of dichotomy between when we go to the Sierra Gordo scenes where Bazooka's a man down and he, you know, says, leave me. And then all the Joes obviously chime in saying, uh, we don't leave a Joe behind no matter what, not in the uh, SOP. No check mark for that in the pre-flight, not on my watch. Okay, fine. And then it's quite nice because then you skip forward a page and the CBX units, which are in pursuit, one of those gets a fault and the leader basically just says, salvage all of his parts from him, dump this guy, leave him. And it's kind of nice, you know, you get that. It's a bit, it may be a bit heavy-handed, but the Joes don't leave anyone behind and the, the opposition are win at all costs, you know, don't bother saving anyone. Uh, you know what, Chief, it's not that heavy-handed. I kind of glossed over that on my initial read. And having you raise the point now is like, yeah, it's absolutely one of those harmer, harmerisms, harmer parables. Yeah. I like, like it. Like the one in, yeah. in Showdown in the special missions, you know, with the Night Raven right. pilots. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got the Joes who look after each other and the, the more yeah. ruthless opponents. And it's ultimately going to bite them in the ass. Yeah. The it, it, There's also a bit here where... Uh, these these blue ninja bats are obviously chasing the the lone Joe team that's in Sierra Gorda now on the run, and they cross the river. And he says, uh, "The humans are a kilometer ahead. We should catch up to them in less than three hours." So I'm thinking, surely these things don't tire and they can go forever. Why is it going to take them three hours just to gain one kilometer on these humans? So they're maybe not as well equipped or efficient as I first thought. Agreed. And how did G.I. Joe get that kind of lead to begin with? Like, yeah. that also yeah. caught me. And also, nice to see the um, metric being used instead of Imperial. Yeah, well, but they are made in Lahore, Olistan. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Where's that? Europe somewhere? 
don't know, Middle East. But, uh, you know, Middle you, East, yeah. maybe you might have thought that Larry would go for miles rather than kilometres. But, you know, nice one, Larry. Appreciate that. Rest of the world needs to catch up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, the rest of uh, North America. Um, <laughs> don't they use clicks in the in sort of military jargon? Don't they speak in kilometers? Aren't they? Oh, possibly. From... Yeah, yeah, possibly. So. Yeah, yeah, clicks. You're right. Yeah. Good man. Thanks, Larry. Strange that the the UK is still very much miles per hour rather than kilometers per hour. So any car you buy is preset to miles per hour. Yeah. Get with the program, United Kingdom. What Get the with the program, UK. UK. Uh, <laughs> I think kilometer. Uh, you know, metric is taught in schools now, but they're still. You know, I've gone metric, but people my age that I know are still very much feet and inches, uh, miles. So, parts of the UK still trying to catch up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only imperial I like is a pint of lager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Uh, and I like the Star Wars Imperial Assault board game, so that's the other Imperial I like. Hey, page 10. Torpedo's actually doing some EOD work, which is quite uh, a, su- a welcome surprise. I mean, he is a demolitions guy, albeit yes. underwater demolitions, but I suppose he is the man for the job in terms of clearing an area yeah. for any booby traps. Yeah, that's nice. Um, you know, Larry using guys for their um, specialist skills is always nice. Lola pulling her weight again. You know, she's she's pulled some strings in the CIA and elsewhere, whoever that is, to have a local DC-3 fly most of the Joe team back to Utah. Just out of nowhere, here she comes. She's the golden bullet. <laughs> I've figured out who she is as well, dude. She's not the immortal Iron Fist. She is literally no. the hand of God. <laughs> she is the deus ex machina right there. Uh, whatever yeah. you need from Lola, she will provide. Hey, yeah, page it. 12, dude. That yes. night vision sequence. Oh, yes. So cool. Yes. Oh, man. We had that previously, the very violent page with Snake Eyes kind of chopping up guys, and we get another page similar-ish, which is kind of blacked out, silhouetted, but, you know, again, this is a quality page here. Love it. Ah, uh, I speak of a page a little bit earlier, though. Like, yeah, obviously, sorry. Snake Eyes and Scarlet and Trip own the night, so what has Cobra done? They've retaliated by sending in a specialized troop that I absolutely love and... <laughs> Most Joe fans do agree with me on that. The Night Viper. Oh, yeah, you're talking about this one where she bloops them with some flares. Oof, yeah, yeah, dude. They they definitely get their comeuppance, and that is fantastic. Also, a callback to their file card. Okay. And this is the first time I think that bit of information has been referenced in the pages of a G.I. Joe comic book, that Night Viper's intense, you know, image intensifiers can be burnt out by strong lights like oh, flashlights right. or flares yeah cool great scene love the color in here jay brown on colors uh gallant uh yeah just just do a, a check on the creators quickly gallant is on pencils it's brian shearer on inks and it's jay brown on colors but um all that team is pulling together fantastic looking issue this from a visual perspective and with smooth comes the rough uh I'm afraid there is a colorist er- error on page 14. Okay. That also then gave rise to a lettering error. Uh, and it's just like a scripting error. It's the second panel. Um, yep. It's got a pilot and another pilot macheteing yes. their way through the jungle. First pilot is ostensibly windmill. And the second is lift ticket if you're going by the text. <sighs> but so the first speaker is colored to be lift ticket yes right yes but he's talking to the other pilot who he calls lift ticket yes and the other pilot answers back calling him windmill 
Yes. So the multiple layers of this era are quite interesting to unpack because <laughs> the, the first speaker is clearly colored to be and drawn to be lift ticket. Okay, right? fine. Yes, agreed. Right? The second speaker is drawn to be slipstream. Ah, yes. Colored to be windmill. Okay. And referenced in text to be lift ticket. Yeah, man, he is a triple identity. <laughs> Zartan. But what it should be is slipstream. So the art is correct. Right. The colours are incorrect because he's yes. coloured to be windmill. But windmill isn't on this mission. And windmill, according to our current continuity, doesn't exist in G.I. Joe anymore. Because he's, you know, he's another Joe that's fallen through the cracks. Okay. And so the colors are erroneous by by having Windmill's signature like orange pants and lime green jacket. Okay. It should be slipstream and the lettering should reflect that. He should be name checked as such instead Oof. of being name checked as ticket anyways. Good catch Golden S Jobs. Uh, shut up S Jobs, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Good ca- that's why you're here to dig in the weeds. Uh, but not, you get the no prize. You get the no prize for calling him Zartan. I buy that. <laughs> yeah. I'm and Zartan, as we've established in previous issues, he's not so shit hot anymore. It is like no. his disguise game. You know, he's dropping yeah. the ball on the accent work. Maybe he dropped the ball on the colours. What I might do is I might take a picture of this panel, post it up on Larry's page on Facebook, and uh, try and joint. We'll try and get a joint no prize between us because you're the one who brought it to my attention. I said the Zartan. We'll see if we can get a, a no prize from Larry. Yeah, I would be that? very surprised if he gave us any response at all. But Chief, oh, okay, let, we we can only but try. Right, okay. <laughs> Um, I haven't checked his Facebook page to know whether he he does respond or post stuff much up there, but he's very vocal. But he's a bit of a hitman, you know. He'll okay. respond to his his friends that he knows, but like yes. us randoms, he'll be like, whatever. <laughs> and and I'll put it out there now: there is zero chance that he would come on this show, is there? Uh never say never. Um, though I I think he has a fee. Right. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, uh, hey, so, so what, so <laughs> jump what on saying... that Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go go and join the uh, Out of Timers Patreon, and that will help fund Larry Harmer coming on Talking Joe. Um, maybe he'll accept a packet of Doner Kebab uh, Pringles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, and some boy, boy boing. Boing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. We get a Larry Harmerism here. Play that jingle. I'm hearing the same things over and over again. It's like we're trapped, incarcerated, locked down in a bind, stuck in a prism. Hey, what you talking about, Chief? It's just a Larry Harmerism. Uh, when Lola and Grunt are just about to get on the plane, you guys can Charlie Mike. Oh, yes. Yeah. Great stuff. Yep, yep. A little um, bit of the old, what is it, the uh, phonetic alphabet? Yes. Um, Snake, I'm just flicking a page here. Snake Eyes back in the pit is throwing um, what we would call a spanner, I think probably referred to as a wrench in the US, at uh, <laughs> some piping and just causing random fire from these vipers. But they're firing in the wrong place. They don't realise that their IFF transponders have been hacked and scrambled. <gasps> yeah. The master plan unfolds. Turns out, shock horror, that Cobra Viper's helmets are used to uh, prevent friendly fire situations. Yeah. So yeah. you always know where your buddies are. 
no matter how incorrectly they're colored. Oh, dear. It seems the night vipers have uh, picked up regular viper coloring in this sequence. Yes, yes. Hmm. Yeah, this is kind of like the, um, the COVID-19 tracking apps. So, All right, have you uh, subscribed? Is it, no, uh, no, uh, so in, in the UK, the pubs and restaurants and things like that will be opening on, what is it, 4th of July, I think it is. And to gain entry to these establishments, you need to hand over your details, such as name, address, telephone number. And then you're effectively signed up to an app which can track you and whether or not, you know, if you've had COVID or things like that. So uh, Big Brother's always watching. It's kind of like, you know, we know where you are at all times. So it's kind of like this IFF stuff, you know, know where your know where your friendlies are. This is the COVID app is know where your unfriendlies are, I suppose. Yeah, well, bro, as long as no one's going full auto on you with a machine gun, <laughs> I mean, it couldn't hurt, right? Yeah. Profiling. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm not handing over my details to every Tom, Dick and Harry, but there you go. True. All right. I didn't, I'm not really a pub, pub or a restaurant man anyway, so no real loss to the chief there. I get my Donna's kebabs from a takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Zero contact delivery. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this other silent page that I was talking about earlier, where we've got all the vipers silhouetted? We we don't know if this is a colouring mistake because we can't see them and they're in black. Actually, the fifth panel, yes, it is because the viper has a red glove. Yeah, but that is a regular viper. I mean, what is interesting is that... No, because he's got the night scope on. We have specialised night viper troops. And then, in addition to that, I think it's referenced earlier on that they've outfitted the regular vipers with... Uh, image intensifiers and ah, vision okay, scopes. Yes, yes. So, and, and and I mean, that's that's there's something canonical about putting goggles on top of a night viper's helmet because the classic toy did have goggles yes. inexplicably on top of a helmet that has a visor. So yeah, I guess like it's a drop down um, monocular night vision device. Yeah. Just like yeah. the real thing, you know, you want to be able to flip it up quickly because you want to be, you know, able to adapt to various light uh, conditions quickly. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, look, I mean, as I say, earlier on, the Night Vipers were miscolored. That's fine. Whatever. This sequence is stunning once again. Yep, definitely. And the, the brass casings hitting the deck. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It's an absolute nightmare for Cobra at this stage. Total friendly fire incident. You can tell there's no there's no Joes in these ima- in this imagery. It's just it just feels like Cobra troopers randomly firing in all directions, which is what it is. So quite literally, yeah. The first panel is four guys all firing in different directions. So effectively, they feel like they are surrounded completely, and I imagine they would then get wiped out by the guys retaliating and firing inwards. I mean, it's an absolute tactical shit show yeah <laughs> wouldn't you yeah. say yeah definitely no, definitely they, it's it's you know joe's have the upper hand even with a smaller force so they've used mm-hmm. the environment against them brilliant brilliant so how much of a dent do you think this put in cobra's invasion team if they're down to like 800 or 900 troops by now would this knock off another 100 guys maybe 50 maybe. yeah 50 maybe Oof. interesting to see where this goes in 200 i mean this kind of this part of the storyline is now over really until issue 200 apart from the last page you kind of get the 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 follow up to that that silence scene or that that panel wordless scene because all the night viper teams are asked to report in and you know you just see images of crumpled bodies laying on the deck so this is definitely setting the scene for issue 200 and then the Sierra Gordo stuff you know Larry does the standard you know wrap it up in one page thing 
we do get a firefight here where the um, CBX units have been ambushed because the Joe team, Stalker's Joe team, have been going full John Rambo and building Malayan <laughs> tiger traps and you know pits and all kinds of things using the environment to take out these bad guys. And then they, we also find out that the Joe team are very good at holding their breath underwater because they've been, looks like, submerged in the river and then just come out with machetes, which are super sharp and able to cut off these metallic heads, which Leatherneck does. Which is which is pretty tasty, and yeah, it's a good old. They've turned the tables. They've put an ambush on the CBXs. I like the fact that they went into a bit more detail about why they've got no neck armor. And yeah. It's almost like an action figure uh, argument because it's where the articulation point is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> you nice. know, the, the, there can't be like a shield uh, covering that area because the neck needs to be able to depress all the way down. So it's got to have a kind of a, a cutout almost. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, Gung Ho gets the last word there's kind of one of these CBXs left he's got his suicide vest on and his grenades and he's talking too long as every Machiavellian villain does and <laughs> Gung Ho who pops one Pathum right on his shvied right on his head and uh, that's it it's game over do you have any objection to the Joes using anything other than Yojo as their battle cry my argument is, like, when you've got a perfectly good battle cry in Yojo that is, like, unit-specific. I mean, yes. it's just the Joes that use it. Why do they then find the need to use the Marine Corps Ura? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. sounds cool, but, like, none of the Joes pictured saying Ura are from the Marines. No. You've got Rock and Roll, who's a, he's an army guy. You've got Shipwreck, who's from the Navy. Uh, I think Mutt is also from the army. So it's just like, eh, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, was was he just trying to mix it up a little bit? I don't know. He's been doing that with increasing regularity. And I'm just like, as cheesy as Yojo might seem on first blush, it's just as important to the Joes. It, it has the same kind of meaning to them, surely, as Ura or or Hoo-Ha or... <laughs> whatever the other um uh, branches um uh battle cries are yeah yeah i don't know that it just always struck me as odd that they've all of a sudden started saying oorah yeah that is a bit weird that is a bit weird yeah, um, yeah. after gung ho's popped this guy off it's literally two panels oh look here's the chopper let's all go back home to the pit it's gassed up and ready to go yeah let's wrap it up let's wrap it up um, indeed well there you go another larry harmerism i won't play the jingle again but it it definitely (laughs) belongs the 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 quick uh conclusion yes um so that does it for 199 we're not yo-joing it because we will do that after issue 200 which is on our next episode episode 80 which we can expect some guests coming back into the studio it's going to be a four-man team four-man fire squad four-man fire team uh, who's on drag i'm not sure who's on point uh, we'll work that out but yeah we'll uh, work it out when we're in the mission we'll work it go. out in the mission as uh, not lieutenant falcon did as falcon did uh, was it Indeed. Falcon? Yeah, it was Falcon, giving the orders. Uh, so, I think it was Warrant Officer Flint, wasn't it? Uh, you're, you're quite correct. Again, that's why you're <laughs> here, to pick up on Chief Dog mistakes, as well as uh, Larry Harmer comic book mistakes. But yes, uh, expect a four-man team next week to cover issue 200. Good times going to be had. But right now, uh, we've got to talk about some toys. So what you got for us, S-Jobs? Steve talks about toys, ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. 
he talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Uh, well, Chief, don't we begin this section by oh. having you take a wild guess? Of course. And what I'm going to do before I do that guess is I'm going to fuel my brain with a couple of Pringles mm. Doner Kebab chips. Nice. Oh, I can feel the brain cells ebbing away when I eat them. Um, <laughs> so, who, ah, Night Viper, come on. Oh, shit, he's on fire, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw you a little WhatsApp bomb of images and you can tell me chief what i'm on you think. i'm on one percent battery so let's hope they arrive oh shit he's gonna be quick but ah, uh, i will yes. in the meantime i'll go to uh i'll go to 3d joe's as well uh in the meantime i will give you all a very telling read of the original file card which goes as follows code name night viper cobra night fighter a night viper's helmet is a miracle of electronic miniaturization Aside from its wide-angle third-generation image intensifier, directional sound amplifier, and laser rangefinder, the helmet boasts a passive infrared detector that can spot the body heat of a squirrel at a hundred yards. The Night Viper's helmet, combat suit, and weapons are mostly made of synthetic composites that reduce the wearer's own infrared signature and defy most ground radars. Night Vipers are always in training and never see daylight. They live in windowless barracks with no interior lights. They spend most of their time trying to sneak up on each other. All you have to do to knock one out is to shine a flashlight in his face and burn out his senses. The problem is, you have to find him first. Yeah, boy. These guys have got a lot of tech, and the sculpt really brings that out. I mean, there are inexplicable technical doodads all over his body, ribs and armor portions. It's a very, very detailed original figure, which obviously hasn't been surpassed, but has been done justice, I'd say, in the modern era. They really nailed the helmet gorgeously in uh, in his retaliation version. Yep. But passing an eye over the versions I've uh, flicked over to you, have you got any any opening salvos? Yeah, these look sweet. These look sweet. Ah, think... Chief's a fan. Are you a fan of the colouring? This is one of the first figures where, you know, I've seen multiple versions of that I, I kind of like all the all of these, I think. You know, pre- previously when, you know, because I am well known for only being aware of like version one or version two of figures. And when we've covered figures and I've seen all the way up to 10s, 14s, versions, whatever, there's always a big percentage of them that I'm like, nah, nah, I don't like that, don't like that. But here, I think I pretty much like all of these. Mm, even when he's dressed up in red. Yeah, even <laughs> when he's dressed up in red, yeah. Sweet, inexplicably. Well, I'd say the, the, the biggest problem with Night Viper is that his original colours are so cool, they kind of throw every other wacky Viper division's colouring under the bus. Like, all of a sudden, you look at the... Heat Viper, the Saw Viper, the Frag Viper, with perhaps a little bit of disdain, because Night Viper is the cool one. Like, there's no mistake in that fact. If you are going to stray from the classic Cobra Blue of the Viper's uniform and the Cobra Blue shirt before him, yep. this is what you want to do. Even the the pop of color, the, the, the lime green um, Cobra symbol on his chest, and then the very kick-ass, you're going to have to zoom in on it, but it's, a, it's yep. like a skull 
with like lightning bolts, the patch on his, okay, his yeah. uh, bicep, those are done up in a neon green, which have some justification. And this I'm going to poach from Form BX257. Like that neon green could be a, an identification patch that shows up with uh, night vision goggles. So you can quickly yeah. tell who your guys are. Yeah, yeah. Quality. Mm. Such sexy coloring. Uh, bayonet on his chest, amazing black shoulder pads. The helmet is an absolute miracle. It's a flip-down visor with a secondary piece that attaches onto it, which might stick out a little bit too far. <laughs> I mean, it's comically like 1980s, what what perhaps the 80s thought night vision goggles needed to look like yes it really looks like a a german style hand grenade and you know one of those long stick grenades uh which in fact i thought that it was with my childhood one i used it as a grenade and boy it didn't last long man it got lost very quickly (laughs) yeah great two-piece item the backpack has an interesting element to it in that there's what looks like a knife handle protruding out of the back of course, the knife doesn't come out. It's not practical, but it always drove my imagination crazy. The right. other portion looks like uh, an aerial, really hardy aerial. So these guys clearly have very cool Como equipment uh, standard. On his thigh, there's a bit of interesting uh, sculpting. Those two posts allow his rifle to be attached to the figure. But the rifle also comes with a strap. So it's a bit of a double up, which I'm, you know, I'm not too much of a fan of because... The rifle then has to have two holes that poke right through the body of the gun. Right. It would have been cooler for it just to rely on the strap, but whatever. Redundancy, it's fine. Um, part of me wants to just lop the, the strap off completely and give the rifle more of a, a clean profile because it's yeah. a cool combination weapon. I mean, he can't really hold it for shit because it's, it kind of is a rifle grip and not a pistol grip. Nice. Uh, and classic G.I. Joe's, obviously, they needed something that was basically moving perpendicularly down from the 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 weapon in order to hold it properly this is kind of like a straight grip which you know it looks ridiculous in his hands but you know it's a it's a damn cool weapon and it's obviously a combination rifle and grenade launcher under slung a nice pop of color with the belt buckle it's in gold all in all this is the body sculpt that like you want to use man i remember before i had a cool stalker to use i i had balrog from the Street Fighter 2 line. Okay, yeah. So I put his head on the Night Viper body and that was my ultimate stalker. Wicked. <laughs> so wicked. There's a bit of tech on his left thigh, which is anybody's guess as to what it does. Uh, the best solution I've heard was it's actually a coolant unit to keep his suit's temperature down, um, thereby lowering his obviously his heat signature and and uh, making him less detectable uh, on passive heat detection heat vision basically, so uh, this guy'd be able to outsmart the predator I guess. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a nice um nice one on one. Tell me about it. Though so, I mean, these guys should be the predators of your GI Joe Cobra baddie roster. These guys should be completely unassailable in the night. But as we see in this past issue, their weakness is sudden changes in the lighting conditions, which is exploited by the Joe teams with devastating effect. And it is incredible to me that there's a callback to his file card, possibly written by Larry Harmer. It's definitely got a lot of technical flavor to it, which makes me think it might be a a Harmer original. So it is wonderful to think that perhaps in 2013, 
in issue 199, Larry consulted his original dossiers. Hmm. Isn't that an interesting thought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah. leave our toy talk on that note. Oh, except to ask, Chief, did you ever own this figure? Good question. Either I did or Ben had it because I was familiar with this figure. I, I'm i going to say Ben had it. But it wouldn't surprise me if I did at some point. But my memory is a bit too fuzzy now. I don't have this figure anymore if I did. <laughs> oh, I was expecting you to rummage through your figure box and magically well, produce one, holding his weapons all in perfect condition. Give me, give me two cheap. seconds. I do have to go to the figure <laughs> box. Give me two seconds. <laughs> oh, he's going to break my heart again. This man is sitting on a gold mine. He doesn't even know it. Oh, man. Here I sit in Queensland with no Joes. Well, you know, a handful. Here he comes. Here he comes. Let me put the headset back on. I'm 99. I'm 99% sure I don't have this figure, but let's just have a quick double check. How many figures do you have to hand, if you were to guesstimate? Uh, One, two, three, four, five. I think there's six in that box, which need which have rubber band snaps which need some repairing and then in this box here how many have i got in here great radio we're gonna do we're gonna do a special we're gonna do a special we're gonna do a uh, chief's treasure chest oh two, beautiful three, four, five, 20 maybe 40 in this box chief um but Swag, no baby don't have don't have the night viper however ah oh, bollocks i didn't get it bear me two seconds again <laughs> uh, my postal address is. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm bad. Right. Um, uh, Toy Talk has not quite finished yet because I do want to give a shout out to Super Jim Godfrey, who he did the call that S Jobs put out to get Chief some modern figures, and he ever so kindly sent me three figures in the post, and he sent me a. BAT, no idea what version this is, but it's got like a removable left arm piece, which you can then put a hand on or some kind of gadgetry. Mm, that would be the 25th anniversary version. Pistol, yeah. which goes in the, the left left holster. Really like that figure, actually. And it's got a removable head. It's got two head sculpts, one with a damaged head and one with a non-damaged head. Ah, oh, then that was probably from the uh, defensive Cobra Island 7-pack. Chief, may I just say yeah. two things? Firstly, I had a feeling Jim would do this because he's a super, super dude, very generous. But I didn't want to, of course, put any pressure on him by putting it on record. And two, he has sent you some spectacular examples of the very best that modern era G.I. Joe has to offer. Because he also sent you, drumroll please. Uh, Well, the low light, the low light one is fantastic. (laughs) The low light, Pursuit of Cobra low lights. Dude, that's in most people's top tens, if not their number one. Okay. And he also sent me all the accessories as well. He sent for low light. So he sent me, I'm just digging in the pack here. I've got his his backpack, his rucksack, which kind of opens up. Then I've got the the big case, which his sniper rifle goes into. And then the sniper rifle itself with some accessories, a kind of tripod stand. Then there's another rifle in there as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Super, super thanks to Jim for that. You know, it's 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 a great figure, and it's clear example that modern figures. You know, you shouldn't necessarily scoff or turn your nose up to them because it's fine to to not collect them or or you know 
play with them or things like that. But even you, S-Jubs, can appreciate, you know, some of the quality of these later figures. Yeah, absolutely, Chief. I must say, you know, I, I, I definitely embraced them wholeheartedly at the time of their release. Yeah. My move back to vintage is really just a case of paring down my vices. Uh, okay. And I also got, just to say, also got a Cobra Commander here. He sent me a Cobra Commander. He's got kind of like a a small, like almost neck and shoulder cloak with a Cobra emblem on the side. Then he's wearing a a longer, looks like a skirt uh, and a longer cloak. Mm. Resolute uh, animated series Cobra Commander for anyone who uh, is familiar with it. Absolute top figures, man. Uh, and, I mean, have you had a chance to mess with their articulation? Yeah, See just the, playing around with it. You the know, advantages? Very, very cool. You know, wrist articulation on low light was nice. So, yeah. Have you noticed that it's uh, got a tilt to it as well? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So thanks again to Jim for that. More toys next week. Well, I don't know. Maybe there'll be double whammy toy talk uh, with one of our guests coming back. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But right now, we need to confuse some people. It's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over Egg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're going to over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. Put in, put in, put in. Over egg that put in. Yeah, we love that put in. And the colloquialisms. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alrighty then, Chief. Uh, Let me bring up my document, my master list. What's it gonna (laughs) be this time? Uh, what is a, a durry? A what? A durry. A durry. Hmm. Uh, this is Australian? Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you a clue. Yeah. The meaning of this term has come up as a South African colloquialism. Right. Okay. Durry. Durry. Ditch. Take a stab? Ditch. A ditch? Mm, no. Okay. No, go on. Uh, the on South way. African colloquialism, and I'm going to test your memory, yes, go is guai. Guai, yes. Guai. Yes, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the chief's memory is uh, is, is shocking. Guai. A durry is a cigarette. Oh, shit, the bed. That was only like two weeks ago as well. <laughs> I don't know, oh. more like Four or five. No. Uh, it's it's the item that you can I said no tobacco. longer yeah, yeah. purchase in South Africa. Still, yeah. Oh, buddy, bad news. How man. are the guys doing? Smoke. I listened to the latest Joe Berg and um, Rob's back. Yeah, he's alive. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. to have him. And on the podcast tip, uh, if you're listening to this and you're jonesing for more S jobs, heaven help you. Um, I'm in the most recent episode of Joe on Joe podcast, yeah. talking about GI Joe Extreme, okay. the animated show. Good stuff. How was that? Good. I haven't, I haven't listened to that one yet, but it's on the radar. Joe Slepsky is a wonder. I'm glad he's back in the podcasting game. Uh, he does Joe on Joe Illustrated, so he's breathing down our necks, buddy, in terms of. Uh, 
<laughs> like reviewing G.I. Joe comic books. Yeah. But fortunately, he, he has his behind a little bit of a paywall. <laughs> so we're still free and friendly on Talking Joe. And, and also, I'm going to say, I don't think any podcast in the world has covered as many issues of G.I. Joe as we have, I'm saying. I'll take that, buddy. I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. We got 199 of Real American Hero. Then we did... 12 issues of G.I. Joe Transformers. Me and Diagnostic did a four-issue G.I. Joe Transformers. We also did the 50 issues of Action Force, plus we did the 15 issues of Action Force monthly, and I think that's probably it, and some yearbooks as well, and the 28 special... If you're quite done big up in yourself... And the 28 special missions. So I'm rebranding the show as the world's best podcast for G.I. Joe comic coverage. There you go. Nice. Um, listen, I'm going to give you a colloquialism <laughs> now. I'm listening, Chief. <laughs> <clears throat> if I said the word... Now, I've just looked up the meaning of this word, and it does have... Uh, some also speculated it could come from the African language um, word, Zulu or Swahili. Oh, you're in trouble now. Uh, Makazi. The word is Kazi. Makazi. Or I'm saying Kazi. But it's saying it could come from the Zulu or Swahili Makazi. Oof. Uh, no, jeez, no? I've not heard that. So that interestingly word. enough, a home. Interestingly is, enough, is it your home? No. Interestingly enough, you use this word as a Australian colloquialism, or this the meaning oh, of this shit. word. So I'm flip reversing it. You you saying it was a South African one, now an Australian one. I'm saying it's a. Uh, English one that you've also used as an Australian one. The meaning a kazi like a like a shack, uh, a house. No, no, I said that already. no. Um, <laughs> if you needed to go, you would. You know, after that bottle of wine, you're probably going to need to oh. go. After the doner kebab, you're definitely going to need to go to the kazi. Yeah, the shitter, man. Yes, yes. The, the toilet, brick shit house. Yeah, the toilet wow, or the latrine. The Kazi. So here I've got uh, Kazi is slang for toilet, possibly being derived from the Cockney word Kasi. Now Kazi, I'm spelling K-H-A-Z-I, uh, pop, uh, possibly derived from the Cockney word Kasi, C-A-R-S-E-Y. It's also speculated that it could come from the African language word Zulu Swahili Makazi that is used to refer to latrine. It is now most commonly used in Liverpool. Some references gathered via Wikipedia. There you go. I'd be very interested to quiz some some Zulu friends of mine on that particular word usage. Yeah. I think it might have migrated north and, okay. and it stays there. There you go, Makazi. <laughs> nice one, brother. What's your South African one? Uh, well, okay, I'm going to give you three options. Please do. The term is shot left. Shot left. Shot left. Yes. Now, would you use this term yes. in A, a coffee shop, B, a taxi... Or C, a sports field. Taxi. Shot left. Taxi? Yeah. What are you basing this on? <laughs> Just a gut feeling. Or do you always go with the middle option? Coffee <laughs> shop, shot left. Could refer to obviously a shot of, of coffee, an espresso. Shot left. Uh, maybe that might mean um, double shot or hold the, you know, it could be a macchiato, so a tiny bit of milk or something like that. A uh, sports one. You know, first assumption was golf when people shout four, as in mm-hmm. the the golf ball's going wide, shot left. So it could be that. Taxi. Yeah, taxi is the only one that doesn't really make sense to me, which is why I plumped for it, I think. 
Genius. Well, you're bang on. Okay. So in a minibus taxi, which is an unmetered taxi, which you basically just... It's like a... Not quite a tuk-tuk, but I mean, you know, it's it's public transport. You're not hiring the car yourself. It's a minibus. It's a van. You're kind of taking it and getting off at a certain point on the driver's route. Yeah. If you want the driver to pull over at the next intersection, you say shot left. Okay. Or shot left driver. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're driving on the left-hand side of the road. As normal people That's should. That's correct, yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. Okay, conditional. Conditional. <laughs> sometimes you're down with the empire, sometimes you're not. Oh, chief, what's up, buddy? Uh, well, are we saying that? That's... So, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is left hand... Oh, yeah, shit, the left rest of is, Europe... Is, is England, man. Yeah, that's, you're right. That's, England that's and the Commonwealth. US. Yeah, and Commonwealth. Yeah. England, Australia, India. Oh, what's what's the US then? Oh, US Kong. is right hand side. Yeah, of course it is. US is right. Latin America is right. Western Europe is, Europe right. is right. Yeah. Shit. So the China is right. Okay. Ooh. Not a lot of people say that, do they? China is right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So except the Chinese. Except Pal, the Chinese. Yeah. I will blow your mind. Uh, go on. My students in China. Yes. Say that coronavirus came from England. Boom. There you go. There you go. Yeah. 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 The the propaganda machine, it never sleeps. <laughs> the Great Firewall of China, they call it. Yep. <laughs> Dude, I think there's one thing that remains on the agenda. Listen, we've got all the, the minor stuff out of the way. Now I hear them trumpets blaring. That can mean only one thing. It's time for the fifth, maybe sixth, maybe fourth Golden Joe Awards. <laughs> Oscars, Globes, not about them shows. This awards segment has Golden Joes. Chief and Jubs dressed up, looking serene, holding nothing back, discussing the best scene. And then we have the best vehicle. You might not agree, but don't be too critical. The Joes are a team, but who is their fave? Quiet in the back and don't misbehave. We're rounding out the show with the best issue. It's going to get emotional, so go grab a tissue. Chiefy, I'm cracking the seal on this beautiful bottle of red. Do it, my friend. Uh, I hope you join me to toast to uh, a wonderful friendship. Oh, of course, my friend. I am saluting you with uh, two two Doner Kebab Pringles, which I'm going to clash together, and they will smash all over the floor. Let's do it <laughs> live. Let's, do it live. Let's do it live on the air. There it goes. <laughs> now, Chief has got a clean-up operation. Uh, it's not the first time you spilled something on the floor there, Chief. Shit, man. That was Jeez, a bad one as well. buddy. Um, Have you taken a piss while <laughs> we've been chatting? No. Ever? No, not while yeah. we've been chatting. Uh, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did it on an Out of Timers episode. No, it was on Talking Joe. Was it on Talking? Oh yeah, it was on Talking Joe with Chris. Yeah, yeah. Chris got that particular golden award, <laughs> <laughs> courtesy of the chief. Yes. But yes. oh man, we we've done something interesting this time, haven't we, have. we, chief? Yes. So we chucked up our six categories and. Previously on the Talking Joes, the two hosts have just kind of come together with their maybe top two or top three suggestions in each category and then discussed them on the air. This time we put it up on the social medias. We kind of put our top twos maybe and a random wildcard one in there as well. So there's five nominees in each category just to get a bit of interaction, a bit of verbiage from the listeners just to see what they were thinking. And then we are going to give our personal favourites in. But S-Jubs, you may have some numbers about what the general public voted on as well. You betcha, man. It seemed like a no-brainer to open these nominations up to 
the awesome community that Talking Joe has yes, on the yes, socials. Yes. Now let's 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 get the proceedings underway. So if everyone can be quiet in the back there, please. Uh, I'm talking about you, Road Pig. The first category we've got here is favorite Joe or best hero. And this is, just to recap, this is covering the calendar years of 2012 and 2013. That would be Real American Hero issues 174 through 197 and including the 2012 annual. So the nominees for Best Joe are Chuckles, Falcon, Jinx, Tunnel Rat and Wild Bill. So without further ado, drum roll please, open your envelope, S-Jubs. Who have you plumped for? Well... <laughs> Let's let's get the popular vote out of the way and just say that Chuckles has swept the boards on this one. Okay. There are other categories that were a lot tighter, but Chuckles has taken the popular opinion on yes. this category. Yes. And uh, Jinx is somewhat <laughs> at the back of the popular vote, but I fear Jinx is where my my heart lies in this lineup. For the simple reason that Jinx has always been a supporting player and never been the primary. Yep. But there's been a noticeable shift uh, in this plotline that is ongoing. It's always the sort of the B plot, but she is doing completing missions on her own. She stepped out from the shadow of, <laughs> ironically, Storm Shadow yep. or Snake Eyes. She's standing on her own two feet and conducting incredible raids, doing things on her own that uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow made a, a serious challenge out of. I think the high point is her sneaking into a re revanche lab alone on a bicycle, <laughs> like a BMX. <laughs> so, like, she, I mean, cycling around at night now, I've realized that, like, the ultimate ninja mode of transport is not, like, a Kawasaki. It is a bicycle because that thing is stealth, man. People yeah. will never see you coming. Like <laughs> the amount of times I've had to cring cring get out of my way, people. Um, it's it's staggering. You are you are so quiet, and she's got some mad skills, man. Bouncing off the roofs of cars, scaling walls, and then taking on like a dozen blue ninjas solo. Yeah, I know it might count as ninja bullshit, but she does it with such style. <laughs> Whereas the other practitioners are quite heavy and grounded, she brings a kind of an athleticism and like a almost balletic ability. She kind of vaults through the air. She's like a she's a manga character in a G.I. Joe book. And if for no other reason than it's her time to shine and I'm gonna let her shine, that's where my love is. Yep, yep. Good stuff. Good stuff there. For me, big fan of Chuckles. However, um I'm not putting him in my top spot, I think the almost like the cobra series chuckles has now made it into gi joe continuity which is a big factor i think in a lot of people voting for this i feel like i will still get my chuckles love from the cobra series first of all but not to put down what what he did for these issues that he starred in especially here because it was great stuff but i'm actually my vote is actually this is a tough one i'm I'm a, I don't know, I'm a big fan of Wild Bill and what he just was cropping up and just whenever a plane was being flown in any of these issues, Wild Bill was there. And just for regular appearances alone, I was going to put him <laughs> to the top. But I'm actually going to vote for, and it's nice to see Tunnel Rat doing things Tunnel Rat does and EOD stuff, so which is nice. But I'm actually going to go for Falcon here mm. for kind of stepping out of the shadow of 
Flint and Duke and being shown his leadership skills and just toughness and you know that whole scene where he's leading the charge and things like that so for me any other world if people someone said to me oh Falcon yeah I would kind of dismiss him and always pick Flint over him and things but you know in these issues I um for shining like he did I'm going for Falcon what a stud I mean to do what he did in that issue and then like kind of say <laughs> admit to the fact that I'm losing my own kind of combat integrity. Yep. Yep. I mean, he's just got a cool head. Yes, yes. Um, before <laughs> we move on to the second big category, we do have some bonus awards to dish out. The first what? bonus award, yes, that's right. The first bonus award is going to the most inappropriate time for a shave award <laughs> in a G.I. Joe comic. And that goes to Mutt who in the 2012 annual appeared with a moustache and then later on the issue had decided to shave it off mid-firefight. So well done, Mutt, for getting the award for most inappropriate time for a shave. I always wondered what he would look like if he dropped the uh, the Tom Selleck routine. Yes, and now and you know. Now we know. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the next category, and this is Best Villain. And up for nomination, drumroll please. The nominees are Darklon, Generalissimo Tep, the Black Major, Cobra Commander, and Mouton. And it should come as no surprise that Black Major led the popular vote by a landslide uh, with Darklon as the runner-up. Yeah. Shall I go first this time? Uh, yes, you may, Chief. Why not? Tough one. Tough one. Generous Motep proves to be a pure scumbag and evil, which, from a villain's point of view, could easily garner him this award. Mouton probably didn't have enough page time, although visually his his appearance was, I thought, spectacular. You know, what a, what a great foil for the Joes, but maybe didn't do enough. Cobra Commander is always going to be in the running. You know, he is the most featured bad guy in the series, obviously. For me, I'm not putting him in the top spot because he was just a little bit too up and downy, just in terms Mm. of his schemes and where he wanted to be and where he wanted Cobra to be. It just felt a little bit flip-floppy, so he's not there. And then it was a tough choice for me. Black Major, fantastic. And what a great introduction to the series. And I am hoping that he will be a recurring character in the series. But I'm actually going with Darklon, just because we've seen a different side to him. uh, A more sneaky side and a more vicious side and, you know, a weapon expert side. He may be selling weapons, but here when he's out in the desert with the rifle proves to be an effective combatant. So for me, it is Darklon. Yeah, I see you there, Chief. Definitely, man. It was Darklon's arc. This was his big moment. And I I don't know if I loved it. You know, I don't know if I loved his right. contribution. I don't know if, if I got if a firm enough handle on who Darklon is. I know it's there's so many massive events happening for for him to get some personality out of the end of it. I mean, we mainly just learned things about the fact that his helmet is integrated into his head and, you know, that he's a damn good night tracker, as it turns out. So, I mean, that sort of cat and mouse game with Outback and Muskrats and, uh, oh, who was the third? Uh, uh, ambush. Yes, yes. Ambush in the desert. That is some impressive stuff and gave rise to some, some nail-biting stuff, but... I still don't feel like I know who the heck Darklon is. Um, 
Similarly, Black Major, stunning to have an appearance. Like, breathtaking. Like, what a great moment. But to say that he is the winner out of this arc, out of the period under consideration, is to kind of have to import a lot of additional knowledge of his appearances in the Action Force books. Like, he's a cool character, but he didn't get enough opportunity to show that in the two issues. No. We had no idea what his agenda was, how he fitted in. I know so much about him now, but had I just read these issues, he would be cool and enigmatic and, you know, a flash in the pan. I'm gonna go with... <sighs> Tough. Yeah, I had my I had my mind made up before the awards. Yes, but now I'm gonna go with Tep. Okay, wow, absolute scumbag who gets his comeuppance. Yes. That is a complete arc, I think. Yes, I think there was a vote for Tep as well in the in the on one of the social media platforms. Someone did vote for Tep as well. So a, a single a single vote. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess I just want to I, I want to diverge from what you said, um, and also like I felt like I picked Jinx because that was her time to shine. So picking Darklon for the same criteria just doesn't ring true to me. Yeah, I'll never kind of warm to him. I think a pop up bad guy like Tep, is just there to show how absolutely wicked the evil and evil the world can be, yeah. and how good can prevail. It's a righteous kill. I know it's going to suffer from recency bias because he's still fresh in our memories because we only covered those issues a few weeks ago. But, you know, there's been lots of non-Cobra bad guys in G.I. Joe, Real American Hero comics, but I can't remember off the top of my head all their names or exactly what they did, but I feel like Generalissimo Tep is definitely a name and actions that I will remember. So... We have established that Chief has a three-week memory. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. Um, Listen, have we got any more bonus awards that we can give out here? I think we do. So I think we should have an award this evening for the most grisly death scene. Oh, okay. Because the two years under examination have had some incredibly visceral sequences and deaths, but none more chilling than ostensibly Dr. Chen walking out of her house over to Storm Shadow's Chevelle, where the Russian master, Boris, who's already got cracked ribs and internal bleeding, he's just kind of sitting at the wheel, holding it together. He's like, Dr. Chen, are you all right? We've come to... She snaps his neck, and in three sequential panels twists her head 180 degrees and coldly says I am fine everything is just hunky dory that's some horror yeah, shit that's right that there body horror stuff and that, that kind of yeah, you know just psychological stuff going on there issue 176 for people who want to go and have a look at that well I'm sure we'll post it up on the media stuff Ooh, yeah. chills chills chief yes, yes. and it's not because I'm sitting here in my, my skivvies <laughs> an award <laughs> an award well won there Dr. Chen, well done. Let's go to the next category, and this is Best Vehicle on display from this period in time. And the nominees are the Robo Skull, Mean Dog, the Pythonized Conquest, the Blue Ninja Ice Cream Van, and the X-19 with added troop compartment. Oh, nice. That was good. (laughs) Cheers. My own Foley. (laughs) 
I believe it's me up first to bat. Yes, um, I think I think the Robo Skull won the popular vote here. Pretty, yeah, pretty sure. Big time. Yep, yep. Two votes for Mean Dog. Two votes for the ice cream truck. You can't uh, you can't deny those were the sort of the outsiders. Yes. I'm gonna go with the stealth, buddy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm a weirdo like that. I don't own a Robo Skull. No, I know you were a fan. You mentioned being a big fan when we discussed this issue on the pod. So. It's not surprised to me that you came in with this. <laughs> yeah, just to be contrarian, maybe. Uh, the Roboskull is stunning, definitely. But um, yeah, I suppose you could say it adds to the mythology of G.I. Joe. Uh, of course it adds to the mythology of G.I. Joe. But by increasing the passenger capacity of, on the stealth, this is something that Darren Cobb raised in his exceptionally well-reasoned and juicy responses is that we've seen the C-130 used as G.I. Joe's transport day in, day out. And it always kind of sidesteps the fact that this is not a very quick plane and not a very stealthy plane. But if you want to use Joe personnel in, I think, their finest and most specialized capacity, and that being like a small strike force doing a very specialized, very top secret and very clandestine mission, you need the X-19 with some extra seats yep. and storage for their weapons. Kind of made me wish that toy had four seats back there, man. Oh. So cool. And what I didn't um, bump up on the socials, but you have to read the issue to check out, the fact that it has a drop-down cockpit like the oh, Night Raven. Sweet. It's, it's illustrated to kind of take on troops, you know, basically underneath. Like the jaw drops down yeah. and the guys kind of load their gear. Such a nice bit of redesign. So I think we need to applaud the artist. Give credit to Galantz for like working on the technical way in which he can expand an existing toy to have more features. Yeah, yeah, good choice, good choice. This is, I like all five of these, I'm not going to lie. Even an invisible jet (laughs) with no Wonder Woman. I like the silliness (laughs) of the invisible jet. The stealth, you've made a valid case for that. The mean dog, just for its, just that that image we put up with the its troop carrying ability, with you know that massive gun on the back, which is clearly going to damage any Joes around it on the vehicle when it fires. Oh, chief, that's it. That's where the extra Joes went <laughs> into the mean dog. Yeah, it's got seats that are under the the grill. There you go. There are seats. Down. That's where Chuckles is, yeah, buddy. That's it. That's, that's it. That's where Sneak Peek went. Yeah. Yeah. No prize. <sighs> <laughs> the Robo Skull. Someone mentioned it's they couldn't get the image of a Tie Fighter out of their head, and I'm fine with that. You know, it clearly is designed around a Tie Fighter, but the Tie Fighter doesn't have a big skull facing at the front of it, so it almost beats a Tie Fighter surely. And the fact that those the wings actually rotate um, rather than being static, so it's a vertical takeoff and landing as well. It's kind of how like a bounty hunter would modify their tie fighter. And I don't know. It's that or the ice. Can I? Can I? Yeah. Can I realistically pick the ice cream van though? I mean, just look at it. It's amazing. Uh, uh, <laughs> I feel if I picked the ice cream van, I'd be doing it just to be different. So I am going to go with nah. the Robo Skull. Oh, Chief, I was about to say the ice cream truck is so you. Yeah. It tickles your funny yeah. bones, man. Ah, bollocks to this it. I'm like... switching. Ice cream van. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Peer pressure. Nice. No, no. <laughs> oh, buddy, I, I, you, there's no wrong answer. Like, either any of these picks are yes. formidable. Correct. This was the hardest one for me, picking these, so, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to the next one, we've now have got late news. Someone's handed me a bit of paper with a, another 
bonus award and it is the choice for best product placement and this comes from issue 181 and it is the Destro branded laptop. Uh, this is the scene where Baroness and Destro are looking at a laptop and uh, on the front cover of the laptop is a big Destro symbol with the word Destro and the dagger on it. So uh, well done for branding your own property in that large fashion, Destro. Well done. Though he missed a trick in not branding Baroness's corset. Mm. Ah, correct. Yes, yes, yes. But I think as we as we said at the time, that would kind of put Destro's head right on a tip. <laughs> Uh, moving on to the fourth maybe big... that's the desired effect yeah there you go there you go the fourth big category we've got here is the best scene or moment from 2012-2013 uh, we've snuck in one late entry from 2011 here just because it was a powerful moment and you were on the podcast when we discussed this so a little bit of cheating inside the Talking Joe studios but the nominees are Cobra Commander mourns the death of his son Billy from issue 173. Snake Eyes meets a veteran at the San Diego Comic-Con from issue 180. Destro unleashes his full arsenal of wrist rockets from issue 184. Falcon patches up his own facial wound from 187. And Destro and Darklon vie for the sale of the Krypton bomb in 187. Of course, that's the Krytron bomb. So... (laughs) Uh, tough one this five great scenes all uh, warranted being nominated this is our most split popular choice yes. award mm. but the one that had the edge do you want to know Chief yeah, or go is on. it going to sway you I'm going to say it was Snake Eyes meeting the vet correct Amondo yeah yes now uh, this was I said powerful the, stuff I said the last one was the toughest but I wonder if this is actually the toughest <laughs> to actually choose because man i don't know you've got a scene here which humanizes cobra commander which is something we maybe hadn't seen previously in the run and it obviously is a powerful moment because one of a character who has had i think you mentioned one of the kind of craziest wildest fulfilling arcs of anyone billy has reached the end of his arc and that is powerful stuff the the vet snake eye stuff is very poignant and pointed and knowing which is good you get the the toughness of falcon just relieving command and injecting himself in the face the all-action shot of destro which we haven't really seen him go full bore like this i don't think in this that point of view shot is really cool and then just that scene where destro head in hands with darklon laughing and you know, mm, I thought there's more to that scene. Sorry, I'm gonna. <laughs> you can see I put this one up for a nomination. Uh, there's more to that Darklon Destro Colonel Farood scene than just that that yeah the panel that yeah yeah you know it's a it's an interesting seesaw and you don't know how it's going to end until the the handshake yes you know I I kind of really I'd forgotten this arc uh, right. the the Crytron arc and the fact that Destro actually was playing. Possum, everyone almost, for yeah, fools yeah, yeah it's yeah, the yeah, composition yeah. So, the composition of that page is the choice of of panels where you've kind of got the stretched out panel at the top with everyone in there then you've got that the laughing scene then a close-up of baroness's eye and then like you said finished off with the handshake just the composition <laughs> of the page is you'll struggle to find a better layout of panels i think in not just gi joe but in any comic book i was never a sportsman chief but i was captain of a debating team <laughs> so i love me a good debate <laughs> 
<laughs> Destro weighs in, Baroness weighs in, Darklon weighs in, Farood weighs in, and then the you know every time a character speaks, the worm turns, yeah. and then the worm turns, and you know like it, it, it just builds on itself to the point where you don't know who's going to get the upper hand until until you do. Yes, yes. But that being said, I'm going to flip my opinion. Yes. And say that out of these five scenes, yep. only one deals with a death. I mean, there is one that deals with grievous bodily injury and perhaps PTSD, those issues. But I think I said it at the time that if... Cobra Commander was Machiavellian Bond villain twisting his moustache kind of, you know, enigmatic bad guy. You won't get the clownishness, sure, but you also won't get the level of humanity that we see in 173. Like, the payoff to Cobra Commander being a goon is that when something affects him, you can see a human being behind that mask. And... It, it just can't be beat. Yeah. The the closeouts on him hunkered down over the death of his... What what we are led to believe is his only offspring. Yes. Uh, the only child he's sired is, is Billy, and he's dead. Yeah. And he, you know, Cobra Commander has been many things, but he's definitely never been a good father. No, no. He's been a complete absentee bastard father, but... Here we go. He feels This is the final... Morning. The final scene, you know, and... The Talking Joe studio is fully aligned here. Chief also going with this as the top pick. So, Whew, good thing it made the cut, Chief. <laughs> it almost didn't. <laughs> yeah, slight cheating Jeez. there by the guys, but um, yeah, uh, in sync, uh, as you say. Uh, right, uh, I think it's time for a uh, little refreshment break, and while we do that, you may well have another uh, bonus award to dish out. Uh, do I? Shit. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, there may be something to do with salty nuts. Oh yes, of course. Ah, this was a listener contest. We asked you. I forget the issue number. Shit, what was it? One eight seven, I think. One eight seven. When Ricondo stopped short of making a joke uh, <laughs> after the lovely Lady J asks the Joes if the nuts are salty enough for them. Now, I put it on the socials, um, the Facebook group to be specific, and asked people to enter their best gags for what Ricondo could have said had a lady not been present about those nuts. And the three most popular responses by way of likes yes. are as follows. The winner will be crowned, uh, no, <laughs> no pressure, Chief. <laughs> But the winner will be crowned uh, by by laugh. Okay. So okay. whichever one whichever one gets the chief the best. Yes. <laughs> Shit, I better and, laugh uh, at one of them then. Oh, oh, oh well, my delivery better not stink. <laughs> hey, you're a former professional actor. Oh, I was never that good at stand up. Anyways, Ricondo says, "Just call me Chief because I'm always spilling my nuts everywhere." <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. No canned laughter. If it's a laugh, it's genuine. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that was a laugh. That was a, that was a titter. <laughs> that was a little... All right. The last time I had this many salted nuts shoved in my face, it took us two days to sober up, shipwreck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Right. <laughs> okay. I haven't had a handful of salty nuts like this since I played rugby at school. Nothing. Oh. Nothing. 
Uh, winner, oh, winner, wow. number two. Number two. Okay, Darren Cobb. The last time I had this many salted nuts shoved in my face, it took us two days to sober up shipwreck. <laughs> nice. Darren leading the charge there. on. Yeah, your no to... prize is in the post. When I say no prize, I mean no prize. Um, <laughs> moving on to... Uh, there's two categories left, and we are moving on to best cover from 2012-2013. The nominees are... 178 by SL Gallant, Gary Erskine and Fajardo Jr. This is Snake Eyes in the foreground with the BN001 um, above his shoulder about to pounce. Cover 179, Gallant, Erskine and Brown. This is Cobra Commander, full frontal, face mask busted, about to punch the um, reader. 184, the retailer incentive. This is the Larry Harmer pencils close up of Tunnel Rat doing his biz. Uh, 189, Gallant, Erskine, and Brown. This is the Robo Skull chasing down the whale. And 190, Gallant, Erskine, and Brown. This is Major Blood standing above Lady J and about to potentially execute her. Popular votes went the way of 189. Full frontal on the Robo Skull, basically busting through the G.I. Joe logo and raining fire down on that whale. It's dramatic stuff. Yep. While the waves are going in the background, yeah, it's it's definitely the one to beat. Okay, so when you say it's the one to beat, is that your choices also? <laughs> yeah, I guess um, I, it's it's therefore my duty to uh, champion the, the little guys. But I think, as I said at the time, the... Composition of 190 is pretty damn flawless. Yep. It's got that haze of either dawn or dusk, late afternoon, early evening sun, the birds in the background, the kind of the fade, the ombre of the blacks from like a faded black right down to pitch dark. Yes. The the glows on Major Blood's kind of technical elements to his, his uniform and gauntlet. And then the fact that Gallant has gone one better than the original Harmer sketch. And given this cover an element of ambiguity, is Major Blood pulling out his weapon to conduct the execution? Or is this a stay of execution? And he's putting his weapon away. Fantastic. Either way, he's got the most incredible, like, executioner's face. You know, his grimace is so... I'm going to take absolutely no pleasure in this yep. but I'm going to do it Like it's it's a hard as hell cover everyone should go check out, I'm sure they have but go and check out Mate Marlar's uh, rendition of this when he, he put up the fantastic imagery and the fantastic photo he took recreating this scene and he was actually on, on, the, on the podcast wasn't he when we discussed this issue as well so yeah, go and check that out but yeah for me it, it I like all five, I am torn between that or 179 partially because i own that cover 179 of cobra commander broken faceplate the reflection of bn001 in the other side of his faceplate his kind of fist the detail on the fist and kind of the the look in his eye so i don't know i'm really torn between that and 190 so can i can i give out a dual award for this or not Feel free, Chief. It's your show, baby. Hey, hey, it's our, <laughs> it's show, our show, and yes, I am. Nice. Double winner for the Chief. Right on. Okay. The well, then that's that's a three-way award, effectively. Like, 
that, you know, it must yeah. be said that uh, listeners responded very generously with 189. So there's something for everyone yeah. in best covers. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, we do have one more bonus category here to give out before we go to the, the best issue. And this is character most likely to have the most fiber in their diet. <laughs> And this goes to Road Pig at the end of issue 182. He is chomping. The others are having pina coladas through straws out of pineapples. Road Pig is actually eating the pineapple. So well done, Road Pig. You are going to need the Kazi later. You'd be lucky if you can get that to move. <laughs> it's going to get yeah. stuck somewhere. Let's move on to the last category. And this, like we said, is best issue. And the nominees are... Issue 179, The Blue Ninja Assault on Cobra HQ, comes to its conclusion. This issue features alternating splash pages, full splash pages. Issue 187, All Hell Has Broken Loose in Benzene, as the Crytron plot comes to an explosive conclusion. Issue 188, the first part of the sea-based adventure, featuring the reintroduction of some old UK favourites. Issue 189, the second part of this story. And issue 191, in the midst of a political coup in Southeast Asia, Chuckles diehards his way through the enemy camp to rescue Jinx. Mm-hmm. Formidable issues. And a tricky thing to do. I mean, Chief, I, I, I half expected you to kind of collapse it into story arcs. But uh, okay. when we individuate the issues like this, like particularly with the two parters, yeah, yeah, do you like how they are set up, or do you like how they conclude? This will be yeah, the category exactly. that decides that. But in terms of listener opinion, just quickly, I did think about making the category favorite story arc, and and there have been some clear, like you said, some two parters and even some five, six, seven parters, but. Uh, I wondered if that would give us many more than five choices over this run. It probably would have done, but having said that, what would have been wrong if there were only five individual story arcs over this two-year period? That would have been actually fine. We still could have voted on favourite story arcs. So I think maybe next time on the next Golden Joes, when we cover 2014 and 2015, we'll do favourite story arc if we can get some clearly defined arcs. But sorry to interrupt you. Please carry on, sir. Popular vote. Popular vote... uh... This was the last category nominations to be announced. So the responses were a bit thinner, but it seems like there was a leaning towards 191. People liked, you know, Chuckles' bloody uh, quest for revenge and the rescue on, on Lady J and the elimination of General Tep. Uh, balls to the wall action, man. You can't complain with that. Yes, yes. I, again, case to be made for any of these nominees, as with any of the categories, the... 179 with the alternating splash pages visually very impressive we've got some great imagery there i think held back possibly only by the fact that it's got blue ninjas in it if this was you know one of the other issues in the nomination categories here and it had splash pages every other one probably a clear winner but the blue ninja inclusion even though I don't mind it too much, the Blue Ninjas. I think I, they're more palatable to me than they are to you. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go with 179. The other ones, uh, I am i don't know. I'm possibly leaning towards 191, I think, which mm. is the, the, the Chuckles taking out all the enemies. Is it a little bit far-fetched? Is he the enemies are missing and he every shot of his is hitting the mark yes but that's pretty much like any 80s or 90s action movie anyway and i don't have a problem with most of those or i'm going to go with 189 which was the conclusion of the the sea-based adventure ah tough but i am going to go with 191 
Good stuff. Yeah. Fantastic casting, man. I, I, I love that team. And Chuckles is time to shine. And as we've established, he's a firm favorite. Very, very good. Yes, yes. What about yourself, sir? I'm a sucker for atmosphere. Like, these issues are action issues. Definitely. Like, we have not what? nominated a more pensive, more story-laden issue at all. <laughs> these are all, like, basically conclusion issues. With the exception of 188, which is a setup issue, only to then be concluded in the very next issue. Um, so these are all the kind of the big battle royale boss battles at the end. Cobra Commander trading uh, Shakespeare and Milton quotes with BN001. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez, uh, Darklon getting, like, daggered through his forearm. My God, man. And Falcon just looking yes. like the 80s action star deluxe. But coming back to the atmosphere, you are going to battle to find a more interesting read than a night raid on a ship in heavy weather conducted by, like, G.I. Joe's primo badasses. Minus Snake Eyes, which I'm not actually complaining about. So the setup issue, issue 188, that's just the coolest, man. Those are the kind of issues that I would have recreated over and over and over again with my toys. The conclusion would be left to my own devices, but the setup, I would happily plagiarize from an issue like 188. So it's 188 for the S-Jobs! Yep, yep, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, wow, um, I think everyone in the auditorium here has had a good time. They are ready to go and get their post-meal, post-drink uh, kebab on the way home. We'd like to thank all the attendees who turned up in numbers. Um, I see Mr. Tarantino over there, so we'll be chatting to you later about maybe coming on for a guest spot to talk about uh, G.I. Joe, if indeed you do like G.I. Joe. George Clooney, I see over there. Always a regular George. Stay away from Scarlet, please, otherwise, you know, you'll have a fierce ninja to deal with. <laughs> but yeah, we'd like to thank everyone for turning up, you the listeners as well, for tuning in, all your responses to the categories we put out, and we'll invite you all back next time. You're all invited to the next Golden Joe Awards, which will be... I don't know. When are we doing that one, S-Jubs? I've got no idea. Oh, the rate we're going, it will be in 12 episodes time. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah. we cover two per episode, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, good stuff. So anything else we need to cover off here or is our work done, sir? I think we're ready to boot ourselves out yeah. of the door with our various social media drops. I'll say once again, <laughs> if anyone is interested in G.I. Joe animation... Joe on Joe podcast has got your fix. He also does Joe on Joe Illustrated. Uh, Every fifth issue in the American Hero run is a freebie, which you can get on your podcatchers. But if you you like his stuff, uh, he does have a Patreon. Yep. But yes, as I say, the episode that dropped yesterday has my name all over it. Great stuff. You can catch, obviously, uh, the Talking Joe on Talking Joe Comics Instagram, Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, Talking Joe, a G.I. Joe podcast on Facebook. Thanks to all the recent additions to the Facebook group. I think we're up to well over 100 now. So thanks to everyone who's joined over the last few weeks. Your presence there is much appreciated and your contributions as well. Thanks again. I'm going to give another shout out to Jim for sending me those figures. Uh, Top work, buddy. And you can find me on The Outer Timers. Just search the Outer Timers on all your social media places. We've got a new bit of Patreon content coming out. By the time this episode comes out, it will have been out yesterday. Uh, me and Ben are talking about pre-console gaming, so Commodore 64 
and all that kind of stuff. Uh, no, sorry, that's on the Out of Timers episode, which is already out on Tuesday. We're talking about uh, beat-em-ups, uh, scrolling beat-em-ups. We talk about Streets of Rage, Turtles, uh, Golden Axe, all that kind of stuff, and uh, one-on-one fighters as I'm well. put your podcast in my wife's ears, man. She's all about <laughs> Streets of Rage right now. There you go. Tell her, well, she's got, a, she's got to subscribe to the $5 level on Patreon to get ah, that. I so, see. Um, okay. Well, she's got deep pockets, man. <laughs> friend of the show S Jobs, I might slip him a freebie we never know listen uh, yeah so go over there we've got loads of content coming out but uh, with all that said and done we will catch you down the road we've been talking Joe and we're all out of Joes <laughs> yo Joe Berg laters oh also uh, also check out uh, fellow out of timer Dave Wimblet, the covert creator go and check out his kickstarter the hordes of Surrey it's a comic book set are in and around Surrey it's like the Goonies and Stand By Me now we're definitely all out of Joes see you later <laughs> Yo, Joe!